Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today, uh, we are looking at Jeremiah chapter 33, and we'll be going down through chapter 36. So today, we find Jeremiah still in jail, and um, he's writing, and um, he is... Still walking in faith. He doesn't have all the answers. You know, he's just doing what God's telling him to do. And he finds himself in jail. And he had been uh, in the previous chapter, chapter 33, we find Jeremiah praying for understanding. You know, and he's basically, I'll just recap a little bit of chapter 32. He's basically praying to God. And he says, oh, God, uh, this is chapter 32, verse 17. Um, uh, God had uh, previously instructed Jeremiah to go out and buy some property. And um, this is when the King Nebuchadnezzar is at the city gates ready to um, come in and, uh, and crush uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. And so um, he starts off by saying, you know, after I had given the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Nera. I prayed to the Lord, saying, um, Ah, Lord God, it is you who has made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He's saying, Look, God, nothing's too hard for you, and you show your steadfast love to thousands, um, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. And he's saying, Hey, look, you brought the people out of the land of Egypt, down in verse 22, you gave them all this land. You swore to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, you know. And and now they they didn't obey your voice. And he's saying, you made all this disaster come upon them, okay. And behold, now uh, the siege has come up to the city to take it, okay. And then he says down in verse 25, yet you, O Lord God, have said to me, go buy this, you know, buy the field for money and get witnesses, though the city is given into the hands of the of the Chaldeans. You know, he's saying, look, you've done all these things. Why are you telling me to go out and buy a field? And McGee says, you know, sometimes as we're walking by faith, we don't have all the answers. 
you know and is this a, is this a bad thing that Jeremiah is sort of questioning God or asking like for guidance and McGee says no you know when we're walking in faith should we be honest with God should we tell God we don't understand you know or should we just put on a front should we just say you know what um Everything's okay when everything's really not okay in our hearts inside. And God knows we don't have all the answers. And, but God wants us to walk in faith and trust in Him. Now, this is not like doubting God. but And that's not what Jeremiah is doing here. Jeremiah is just trying to understand. And then uh, verse 2. 26, the word of God came to Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And then we drop down, and then he, and in, in, um, in verse 37, he'll say, I'll bring them back to this place. You know, all the people who have been driven out of Jerusalem. He kind of says, he kind of tells them that, Jerusalem's going to fall, and they're going to, people are going to be scattered. And then he says, I'm going to bring them back to this place, and I will make them dwell in safety, and they shall be my people. I will be their God. He's going to say, like, I'm going to bring these people back. Nothing is too hard for me. And he's telling Jeremiah that, he's, that this land that he's buying is to show the people that one day it will be theirs anyway, and that this is uh, something that they can... Uh, have this act from Jeremiah is an act to show the people in a tangible way that God's prophecy is going to come true. It's like having Jeremiah uh, having Jeremiah's actions match his words. Okay, and in the future, verse 44, fields shall be bought for money, and deeds shall be signed and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin, in the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, and in the cities of the Negrim. I will restore their fortune, declares the Lord. So he's saying he's going into fairly good specifics, telling them all these different lands, all these different areas are going to one day... Um, be able to buy and sell land again. It's not going to be lost forever. That's where we find ourselves today in chapter 33. Jeremiah is still in jail. He has called on the Lord. The Lord has, has answered him. And now we find verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. So in other words, he's still in jail. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. This verse, McGee says, is a great verse. And this is sort of another answer uh, to Jeremiah. If you call on my name, I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes that we don't know God's purposes and God's plan. But God says, call on me. 
and I will answer you. Call on me, and I will give you guidance. Now, it may not sometimes be in the ways that we understand right off the bat, but God can answer us. And sometimes it's only in us looking back that we see God answering us. But God is active in our lives. He knows what we're going through, and He wants us to call on Him. And sometimes when we call on Him, we're calling on Him with the wrong kind of heart, and we don't get answers. You know, these people, these evil people would call out sometimes to God when when uh, they were they were afraid, but they were afraid of, still in their wickedness. And God, God just turns His back on that. And then sometimes we, as McGee said before, sometimes when we call out to God and we don't get what we want, sometimes God's telling us no or not right now. You know, and we, we, we take a no as God not answering us. So whether somebody has cancer, whether somebody dies, whether we see a little bitty baby die and then Usually the first thing out of our mouths is, why, Lord, why? And sometimes God's will is, we just can't understand it. And so we have to understand that God hears that. God will answer us fully one day. But right now it might not make sense. But God wants us to call on Him so that He can, he can be involved in, in our lives for sure. And we have a God who wants us to do that. So as we see Jeremiah sitting in prison, he could easily have a bitter heart. He could easily say, why am I in this mess? I just want to escape from prison and run, you know. Jeremiah is engaged with God and pours his heart out to God. God answers Jeremiah. Verse 14, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. house of Israel is sort of the northern kingdom and the house of Judah is the southern kingdom. And his promise is that he's going to bring these people back home. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, this righteous branch is a reference to Jesus Christ, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, verse 16, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. In those days, that's a, a forward reference to the day of the Lord. And whenever we hear in those days, McGee said that it's likely the second coming of Christ. So it's kind of a double um, reassurance. A reassurance tangibly that Jerusalem will be reestablished. Uh, and that will happen when uh, Persia conquers Babylon. And then you'll have King Cyrus letting the people come home. But in those days, even farther down the road than that, is when Jesus will, will come back and fully restore Jerusalem. Because even today, Jerusalem's not fully restored. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. Even right now, today, Jerusalem's not secure. 
And in and this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Okay, that's another reference to Jesus Christ. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Verse 19, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time. Then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. And my covenant with the Levitical priests and my ministers, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who minister to me. Now we'll drop down to verse 26. I will reject the offspring of Jacob and David, my servant, and will not choose one of his offspring to rule over the offspring of Isaac, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so what's God saying here? This is an eternal covenant to David, okay, that he's going to have a throne. But then God is saying, because of your evil works, you know, I am not going to, because you dishonored this, you're, the, the line of David ends here. You know, the line of David is going to end with um, this line of David uh, is going to end with this king, King Jehoiachin. Now, Jehoiachin is also known as Kona, also known as Je- Jeconiah, okay? So God stopped calling him by his regular name. He, This king was so bad, uh, God gives a prophecy that his line shall end. There shall be, he'll be childless, no man will succeed him, and nobody will from the house of David will ever sit on the throne again. He's going to be cut off. But what happens is, is, in God's plan is, is um, Jesus um, gets born, but uh, the bloodline does continue because there's a Jeho- even though Jehoiachin is cut off, there's another son of David from the house of Nathan who was actually a peasant, and that's where Mary's bloodline comes from. So yes, Jesus does have bloodline coming from the house of David. So it does fulfill the prophecy that the king will be from the house of David, but it also fulfills the prophecy that uh, from Jeremiah's time that this Jehoiachin or Kona's, you know, will be uh, childless and the 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 the, um, the bloodline from the house of David ends with him. So the people probably didn't understand what was going to happen. And then Jesus does have authority also um, that uh, he is, of course, the Son of God. So he has the authority to be king from God in heaven, the Lord in heaven. But also he has the bloodline also still from the house of David to fulfill that prophecy. So um, God is answering Jeremiah also in that um, 
he's telling him that the the covenant with David, you know, is broken, but the covenant of David will be honored. Okay, so God is answering that and saying, nope, it's you're gonna have a king from the house of David, even though I just told you that Jehoiachin will end. His reign will end. So he is um, telling Jeremiah that he will be consistent. Now, he's not laying it all out, obviously. You're still stuck in jail, but God is reassuring Jeremiah. So sometimes you don't get the exact answer, but you get reassurance from God. Verse 34, Zedekiah to die in Babylon. Now, Zedekiah is sort of this last puppet king that is put in place on the throne. Uh, he is uh, after Jehoiachin. He's this last puppet king. Um, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army and all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the people were fighting against Jerusalem and all the cities. Verse 2, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. You shall not escape from his hand, but shall surely be captured and delivered into his hand. You shall see the king of Babylon eye to eye and speak with him face to face, and you shall go to Babylon. That was probably one scary prophecy right there. Verse 4, You yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. Thus says the Lord concerning you, You shall not die by the sword, you shall die in peace. And as spices were burned for your fathers, as the former kings who were burned before you, as the former kings who were before you, so people shall burn spices for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have spoken the word, declares the Lord. So in other words, he's telling him, you're not gonna get you're gonna get captured, but they're not gonna kill you. They're gonna take you to Babylon, and all the people here are gonna be saying how bad it is for you. Okay? You're gonna lose the total respect of the people because they're just gonna lament for you because you were the king that got taken captive. Verse 6, Then Jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to Jedekiah of Judah. He's telling him basically he's going to be humiliated. In Jerusalem, when the army of the king of Babylon was fighting against Jerusalem and against all the cities of Judah that were left, Lachish and Ezekiah, for these were the only fortified cities of Judah that remained. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to make a proclamation of liberty to them. So what did <clears throat> King Zedekiah do? He made this proclamation declaring everybody liberty to be free. Okay, He set all the slaves free. He set all these people free. And then the Lord speaks through Jeremiah, and he says, verse 16, But you turned around and profaned my name when each of you took back his male and female slaves, whom you had set free according to their desire, and you brought them into subjugation to be your slaves. So in other words, 
again, even in his humiliation, Zedekiah is is taking it upon himself to set people free and then making those people his slaves. Therefore, verse 17, again, I mean, he's just a weaselly guy. Verse 17, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim you liberty to the sword, to pestilence, and to famine, declares the Lord. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut into two and pass between the parts, the officials of Judah, the officials of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who have passed between the parts of the calf. So we get this picture of um, God's word, um, claiming God's word to set people free and then um, going against God's word to try to, um, I guess, try to gather more people around him for his own comfort, you know, to make more people slaves around him, to, you know, just to make himself more powerful. Even when God is making the nation weaker, you get this one king who's, who's still trying to manipulate and rule, even when God is punishing him. He tries to punish other people or to exert his own authority and power over other people. And he's telling this lousy king uh, that, you know, his heart is cold, his heart is hard, and all he's doing is trying to, he's just so self-centered. And then he's going to make, it's going to be this, um, he's just going to really, really punish the people because of this fellow. Verse 35, I mean, excuse me, chapter 35. Then the, word of the, then the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, this is the fellow right before Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, go to the house of the Rechabites. Now the Rechabites were this uh, part of the remnant that God's going to save and speak with them. And bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and then offer them wine to drink. Okay, so then he goes and does it. Verse 5, Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers of full wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink wine. But they answered, We will drink no wine, for Jonab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, You shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. Okay, we'll drop down to verse 14. The command that Jonab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept, and they drank none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. So God is speaking through Jeremiah, and he's telling the people, you know, these sons have kept their father's command not to drink wine. But you have not kept my commands. And he's, I think he's using these, these guys as, a, as sort of a, another teaching point here. 
you know, to show people how important it is for the sons to obey their father's command. Verse 16, the sons of Jonab and the, the son of Rechab have kept the command that their father gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. Okay, so he's saying it again. Now, verse 36, this is an interesting uh, chapter. This is a letter to Jehoiakim that Jeremiah is commanded to write from God. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take it, take a scroll and write all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today. So God's telling him a bunch of words to write down. Verse 9, in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, okay, so this is, looks like a year later, because it started in the fourth year. Now it's the fifth year. The son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. So they're trying to do something to um, you know, honor God with. Of course, it's not honoring him the way God wants to be honored, but they're sort of trying to honor them with great deeds. Verse 10, Then in the hearing of all the people, Barak read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord in the chamber of Garma, the son of Shaphan. Okay, so he's reading these words. When Verse 16, when they, heard, when they heard all the words, they turned to one another in fear. And they said to Barak, We must report... All these words to the king. Then they asked Barak, Tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Barak answered them, He dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. So he's telling him, Jeremiah just dictated all this stuff. He's getting it from God in heaven. Then the official said to Barak, Go and hide you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. Okay? Because this could mean trouble when we read all this stuff. Verse 22, It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was fire burning in the pot before him. So all seemed well with the king. And as Jarrah read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Verse 24, Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. So the king heard all this and he didn't care. Verse 27, Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Barak wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, had burnt. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says the Lord, you have burnt this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it? that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it man and beast. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat. 
by the day and the frost by night, and I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, but they would not hear. Verse 32, Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Barak the second time, who wrote on it the dictation, all the words of the scroll of Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire. And many similar words were added to them. So again, you know, God again proclaims that this king, Jehoiakim, will be the last person to sit on the throne of David. There will, this is where the, the throne of David ends. So he said it before, and now this is another glimpse at um, Jehoiakim's heart and the consequences um, to this house of David. And of course, Mary will come from a different line. He will come, she will, Mary will be a descendant of Nathan, a peasant son of David. So the bloodline will continue, but, but this is the end of this royal line from the house of David. So, wow, I hope all this was, it was inspiring to you. Um, it's just fascinating study of this book of Jeremiah. So um, for me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time. We'll take it up again tomorrow. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. I hope you guys had a great weekend in Zambia. So looking forward to hearing what you have to say and your insights on this great book of Jeremiah. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Jeremiah, beginning at chapter 33 all the way to chapter 36, verse 32. So here, Dr. J.V. McGee said we have come to a bright section. So this is a bittersweet time. You know, there was judgment and there was promise from God. So God was judging these people um, for rejecting him, and he had promised them that, you know, after 70 years, they would return back to the promised land. So it was bittersweet at the time of, a, of captivity for the nation Israel. And, you know, Jeremiah is in prison. Nebuchadnezzar is outside the walls of Jerusalem. And he is ready to breach, and bur- to breach the walls and burn the temple. And the false prophets are saying, this can't happen. And Jeremiah has been saying this for years, that it's going to happen. That Jerusalem, or that the nation, Israel, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and the temple of God is also going to be destroyed. So today for me, my main highlight um, in this study is, you know, the attitude that the princes had towards God, especially uh, uh, Jehoiakim. He rejected the word of God. He regarded, you know, the word of God as, you know, something that he read and just threw into the fire. And, you know, what is our attitude today towards the word of God? That was my main point, my main highlights today. You know, a lot of us, you know, we tend to think, oh, hey, I have this Bible and it should actually just sit there because, you know, it's the word of God and all and you don't read it. Uh, We don't put into practice what is in there. We're just ignorant of the word of God and it just stays there. You know, the Bible is a bestseller, but are people actually reading it? You know, as Dr. Jeeva McGee highlighted, um, and, 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 you know, are we treating it like jo, uh, Jehoiakim treated the word of God? So, <clears throat> so here, you know, the bright spots um, 
began at chapter 30 all the way to chapter 33. This is the bright section because um, it takes into consideration the facts of life, but also looks down, you know, that tunnel where the light is seen. You know, it looks forward towards a great day. You know, um, that great day is actually coming for these people. Despite them going into captivity in these dark days, there's like so much harsh judgment, but that bright day is actually coming. So we begin at at chapter 33. And God is confirming and reaffirming the covenant he made with David. And, you know, a day is coming when he will restore them to the land and to fellowship with him, with God. So here we begin verse 1 of chapter 33. Moreover, the word of the of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. So this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time when he was in prison, while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So here, you know, when we have those moments of doubt, you know, just like, you know, Jeremiah is, is actually sitting, you know, like Nebuchadnezzar is, you know, at the, the walls of, of Jerusalem. He's about to breach those walls and they're about to be taken into captivity. He's going to destroy the temple. His friend Josiah has died. And, um, you know, he had a lot of questions to ask God. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if we look at our local situation, we have a lot of doubting moments. And, um, you know, we have moments in which we doubt and you know, these are great examples of, of faith. So in the previous chapter, we saw God asked Jeremiah to buy land at a time when he was in prison. And, you know, the nation was going into Babylonian captivity. So God does so many wonderful things if we actually just put our trust and our faith in him, if um, we are in fellowship with him. But, you know, there are times when we won't really understand what he is actually doing. You know, there are times when, you know, you, know, you lose so much in life. Um, you know, things are just not going your way. Um, and, 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 you know, this is a test of faith. So, you know, let us put our hands in his hand and, and, and just let him lead the way. Let us trust him because he knows what he is doing. And um, let us keep walking with him, you know, just as Jeremiah did. It's, it's great to have an example of Jeremiah. Jeremiah continuously trusted in God. Jeremiah didn't have a single convert in his whole prophetic uh, ministry. And... Um, you know, like his people rejected him, his family rejected him, and, you know, the religious leaders rejected him, his own, you know, country, nation rejected him. And, um, but he still uh, kept on trusting in God. So faith has its doubts, but, you know, the day is coming when he will actually explain everything that is going on in everyone's lives, in, in, in like yours and my life, because um, we do face, you know, it's, it's not always... Um, you know, it's not always sunshine um, as, as we go through our, our daily walk here on earth. In, like as a child of God, it's not always, you know, bright and sunshine, but there's always that um, blessed hope to look forward to. And God has the answers and he has the explanations for everything. So it's, 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 um, it's a revelation of a lack of faith, but it's not a revelation of a lack of faith rather, um, but a revelation of 
um, you know, hypocrisy when we don't actually have those questions, you know, where we say, oh, no, God is taking care of it. But we go behind, you know, closed doors and, and we complain about it. So God wants us to be honest and, you know, above everything else. You know, Jeremiah was an honest man who went to God and just asked, why is this happening? So the word of the Lord comes, you know, comes on to him who, um, you know, who was in prison. And, and, and here it says, you know, call on me. You know, we live in a world where God has been ruled out of everything. And um, God is still moving in this universe today. We can tell by the many judgments that are going on. You know, we tend to wonder because, you know, because we think we're smart and we have all these explanations as in, oh, hey, you know, why do we have so many, um, you know, um, droughts and famine and, 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 and cyclones and monsoons in different countries? Why is there... Um, you know, like if you look at the, the, the nation Israel, why is that land still arid and dry? Because of God's judgment um, upon this earth. God is still moving um, in the universe today, even if people may not acknowledge him today. But he is still uh, very much present and he's still very much moving among us. So, you know, we ought to acknowledge him. And, you know, when in doubt, let us not put that, um, let us not put up that front like, oh, hey, you know what? God is going to take care of it all. We should ask and it's not wrong to actually doubt and ask because that's a test of faith. And, you know, if we have that faith in God and we believe, you know, everything is going to be possible, God is going to actually see us through. And, you know, that is actually a revelation of our test of faith. So um, skipping down all the way, uh, still in chapter 33, but we're going to verse 14. It reads, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform the good thing which I have promise to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. So here, um, you know, God's covenant with David, which we find in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So God made a covenant with David um, that there would be one to sit on his throne. And um, that became the theme song for every prophet. You know, every prophet was talking about it. Hosea was talking about it. Uh, Habakkuk was talking about it. Um, uh, Jeremiah is talking about it and um, you know God promised um, there was going to be one particular person who was going to actually sit on that throne so verse 15 goes on to read in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely and this is the name by which she will be called the Lord our righteousness so here you know in that day um, that's coming that's the day of the Lord so he hasn't Ha, you know, there hasn't been, you know, a righteous um, branch so far, except for that one. There hasn't been that righteous person. Today, if we look at all our leaders, you know, can we say, you know, our leader is just and righteous? You know, the leaders of the world that we, we actually find our, these great rulers and leaders that we, we actually see. We haven't had any ruler who, you know, has executed righteousness. Like Christ actually executed righteousness. And, you know, verse 16, this is Christ that's being talked about. You know, there is that one particular um, um, branch, one particular ruler so far who is sitting on the, who is going to sit on David's throne. And he's not sitting on the throne, he's not sitting on David's throne right now because he's up in heaven with, with, um, with God the Father sitting at his right hand. But that righteous person, the Lord, our righteousness, is actually coming. So verse 17 goes on to read, Thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. So here, you know, there's been no man today who can actually claim to David's throne. Um, that one um, with that 
particular claim onto David's throne is at God's right hand today, and that's Christ. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, who is um, the Lord, our righteousness. He's right and he's, he's righteous and he's just. So dropping down in scripture, verses 22, verses 19, sorry, reads, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, um, so that there will be, so that they will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign and his throne, on his throne, and with the Levites and the priests, my ministers, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. So here, you know, at this time, you know, Zedekiah was on the throne, and he is as corrupt as they come. He is as corrupt as any leader today that we have. Um, and Nebuchadnezzar will put out his eyes and take him into captivity. So this is a subject in the next chapter that we're actually going to see. And, you know, one would think that this would end the line of David, you know, at, after the reign of Zedekiah. But, you know, there was actually still one in David's line. And, um, and, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He was still there in David's line and God intends to put him on the throne to rule this universe in righteousness and in justice so far. You know, there's no nation today uh, where, you know, the line of rule actually continues. You know, these great nations, you know, first of all, there's, there was Alexander the Great. Um, there's no one in the line of Alexander who's actually reigning. There's no one in the line of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, these are once great nations who, which actually ruled. But there is one in the line of David and he is coming to rule this universe in all righteousness and in all justice and fairness. So, we move on to chapter 34, and here we see Zedekiah's captivity um, is foretold. So this is from verses 1 to verse 7, and, and scripture reads, The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the people fought against Jerusalem and all its cities, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, God Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it uh, with fire, and you shall not escape from his hand, but surely be taken and delivered into the hand of your into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of the king of Babylon. He shall speak with you face to face, and you shall go to Babylon. Yet hear the word of the Lord. O Zedekiah, king of Judah, thus says the Lord concerning you, you shall not die by sword, you shall die in peace. As in the ceremonies of your fathers, um, the former kings who were before you, they shall burn incense for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have pronounced the word of the Lord. For I have pronounced the word, says the Lord. Then Jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to Zedekiah king of Judah in Jerusalem. When the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah that were left against um, La Chish and Azekah, for only these 45 cities remained of the cities of Judah. So here, um, you know, this uh, Jeremiah is foretelling uh, Zedekiah's 
captivity. He was not, he was going to die in peace. He was not going to die by the sword. This is what Jeremiah had actually said to him. So verse eight goes on to read, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people who were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty to them. So here, you know, Zedekiah, he went on and attempted to make a decree and a covenant and give liberty to the people, but he didn't make good of that particular covenant. And, and um, here, this is what happens. Um, verse 16 goes on to read, Then you turned around and profaned my name, and everyone of you brought back his male and female slaves whom you had set to liber at liberty at their pleasure and brought them back into subjection to be your male and female slaves. So he profaned the word of God. So here it's talking of Zedekiah. You know, the life of a child of God is what the world will always look at. And Zedekiah pretended to bring liberty because, uh, and he didn't live up to his word. And this brought the king into disrepute and it also profanes the name of God. So God's name and word today is hurt more by, you know, those people who actually profess the word of God. They profess, they know him, but they are godless and they are living a sin, a very sinful life. And, um, you know, just by how they actually live their life, they actually hurt the cause of Christ. And, you know, they actually hurt it more than Christ actually, than, than, the, than the outsiders, those who don't believe in Christ actually hurt it. Because, you know, you find there's nothing more evil than, you know, you find a man of God who actually subjects himself to corruption that deeply like and, and and really hurts the cause of christ and you know it 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 subjects a lot of people to um a lot of injustice because first of all um you know these people are depending like say maybe a minister these people are depending on this particular minister and his word and they are believing what he's actually preaching and he profanes the word of god by cheating to them by lying to their hearts and cheating to them and um and, and this is a great injustice that, um, you know, men of God actually do today. So Zedekiah, you know, professed, um, you know, made a covenant and de decree um, to liberate these people. And he went against his word and, and, and he profaned God and he brought, you know, his authority into disrepute as well. So uh, verses 17 and 18 read, Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty every one of his brother and every one of his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord, to the sword of pestilence and famine, and I will deliver you to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth, and I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in two and pass between the parts of it. So here, you know, we see like um, this is how they actually made um, contracts in back in the day. So they took a sacrifice, cut it in half, put half on um, one side and put half of the animal on one side and the other half on the other side. And they went in between and joined hands. And this was like going before a notary. And that's how they actually made a contract in back in the days in the Old Testament. And this is what Abraham did uh, when God told him to get the sacrifices ready when God made a covenant with him. So um, here Zedekiah made a covenant with the people to liberate the people and he went against his word. And, and God says, you have gone, you have profaned the word of God and you have gone against the word of God. And, um, 
I'm going to, therefore, um, you have not obeyed um, me in proclaiming liberty and everyone, um, and to everyone, to every one to his brother and everyone to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord, to the sword. So uh, Jeremiah was, oh, sorry, Zedekiah was actually going to be taken into captivity and his eyes was going to be gouged out by uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. So, <clears throat> verses, uh, chapter 35 here, um, it looks at a group and, you know, a remnant. And these are the Rechabites. So these are part of the remnant and are different uh, than any other. So God has given us this to let us know that, you know, there has always been a remnant and that he would never leave the world without a witness, even in the darkest of time, um, you know, of the history of the world. God always leaves a remnant. One or two people, God always leaves a witness uh, to proclaim his Word. So verse 1 of chapter 35 reads, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of uh, Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. So here, you know, uh, they are brought in for the celebration of the Passover. There are, you know, still time, um, you know, they, they, they are still true to God. And um, who are these Rechabites? So these Rechabites, let's jump to verse 16 of chapter 35. And it reads, Surely the son of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandments of their fathers, which he commanded them. Uh, but this people has not obeyed me. So here, um, so God made a distinction between the remnant and the nation that they had departed from him. Thus um, is given, you know, just to, it's actually just given to just let us know that God always leaves behind a witness. So here, it was a group of people, the Rechabites, they were the God's witnesses, they were the remnant. So, moving on to chapter 36, here we see the attitude of Jehoiakim towards the word of God. So, this is when Jeremiah sends a message to him. And for me, this was my main highlight, my main take in today's teaching, you know, our attitude towards the word of God. So, chapter 36, verse 1 reads, Now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll of the book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. So here Jeremiah, you know, he sends Baruch and take to, to actually take um, the words of the Lord um, to, to, to um, Jehoiakim. So, um, verse 18, we drop down to verse 18 of chapter 36, and it reads, So Baruch answered them, he proclaimed with his mouth all the words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book. So, um, here Baruch took the message, and he took it to the king. He took it to King uh, Jehoiakim. Kim. And uh, verse 22 goes on to read, Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when uh, Jehudi had read three or four columns that the king cut 
it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. So here, this is what the king actually thought of the word of God. And he didn't care for it, and uh, he just threw it in the fire. And this is our attitude today. Um, you know, we have um, a Bible in our homes, and, you know, a Bible just sits and collects dust, and we say, oh, hey, you know, that's, that's the book of God. That book of God is, you know, the word of God that we're actually supposed to be reading. That is our book that we're supposed to be reading and, and, and growing and learning from. So he didn't accept the word of God and he didn't care much for it. And the Bible today is not being read. You know, a lot of us today are like Jehoiakim. So we pay no attention to the word of God at all. So, um, you know, we tend to pay more attention um, to other things that, you know, have taken up, um, you know, that have taken up our study and our fellowship with God. And those are the things we actually tend to prioritize more. So, uh, verse 24 of chapter 36 goes on to read, Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king, nor any of the servants who heard all these words. So they were not, they just like disregarded and they're like, eh, you know what, uh, we really don't need this. He didn't really care much for the word of God. Uh, verse 28 goes on to read, Take yet another scroll. So God wasn't done. So God, oh, God is a God of second chances. See, he says, take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were on the in the first scroll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah has burnt so here god didn't stop there he asked jeremiah to write it over again so uh, we move on to verse 30 of chapter 36 which reads <clears throat> therefore thus says the lord concerning jehoiakim king of judah he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him, his family, his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, but they did not heed. So this is exactly what happens to him. He has none to sit on his throne. That line was cut off today. He has none to sit on the throne of David. That line of Jehoiakim to sit on the throne of David. So Jesus' Jesus line was, um, you know, uh, sorry, Joseph was um, in this particular line and Mary was not. So she came from Nathan, another son of David, and from her he got the blood title to the throne and from Joseph the legal title but none in the line of Jehoiakim was to sit on the throne so God cut off that line uh, and he punished these people because you know they rejected God and God rejected them so verse 32 of chapter 36 reads then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave to Baruch the scribe the son of Neriah who wrote it um, at the instruction of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and, bes uh, and besides, there were added to them many similar words. So today, you know, what is our attitude towards the word of God? You know, these people, Jeho Jehoiakim, rejected God, and God rejected him, and that line was cut off to sit on the throne of David. 
So are we, what attitude do we have towards the word of God? Are we disregarding the word of God like Jehoiakim or are we actually reading and acknowledging the word of God and having fellowship with God? So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Monday. Bye-bye.